0: Just a little bit tough first. Uh, well, I have done a lot of uh, public speaking and, and talking to groups, and it's a good start. I'm breaking the place already. <laughs> and uh, but this is actually the first time I've spoken about this uh, experience. This this is my story. Uh, the first time I've spoken about it in public. I have spoken about it to uh, friends and family one on one, but this is the first time in a group setting. So. Uh, please be gentle uh, and I'll try and, and, and put the experience across to you uh, as best I can. Um, so it's a story about uh, when I had my heart attack and, and when I died. Um, to set the scene, it was just over three years ago and um, uh, on the 8th of July 2018, I was at, uh, it was a Sunday and I was at the football watching my son playing football. I was there with two friends, Mark and Renee, and, and as you will hear later on, um, they uh, ended up being my life savers on the day. Uh, it, it was just a normal day. Um, you know, I went to the football every week to watch my same basketball during the week. Nothing seemed different. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Uh, just a normal normal time there with my friends. and. Um, all of, sudden, uh, and, and all of a sudden I was standing up and all of a sudden I had a fever hit me. I started sweating, I started shivering and uh, so I, I went to sit down next to Renee and just to get a bit comfortable and about a minute later I got a pain in my chest. And it wasn't a pain pain, it was more like a, a dull ache, and, but it was on both sides of my chest. I still never thought anything of it um, and then probably a minute later again um my, both my arms were numb, and, and at that point i looked at renee and she could tell straight away that i was having a heart attack so mark was sitting next to her and uh, she told mark to go and get the car she didn't bother with an ambulance or anything um we didn't bother uh stopping to tell son what was happening mark we got the car uh put me in the front seat renee sat behind me and uh Mark was doing 150k or so an hour down Ford Road. We was at the Rosewater Football the Club to the Queen Elizabeth. Um, Renee had it. Uh, and, and this is why I'm so thankful for Mark and Renee for that day, because Renee was so calm. She knew straight away that I was having a heart attack. And on the way to the hospital, she rang up the hospital to tell them that we were coming. So... One of the amazing things I think about this story as well is that I remember every second of it um, from when I started uh, having the heart attack right up until when I went into a coma. And, um, well actually that put me into an induced coma. Um, so Renee went up to the hospital, on the way to the hospital, uh, all the way she was trying to hold me up, I was sort of slowly going out to it, so she was trying to hold me up talking to the hospital at the same time. I remember pulling into the car park of the hospital and I saw all of the nurses and doctors at the front of an emergency with the bed there. And as soon as the car pulled up at emergency, my heart stopped. And um, so it, it sort of came down to uh, split second timing. You know, we were thinking about it later. If, if the car was parked um, a block away further, it would have been too late. If we rang an ambulance, it would have been too late. If we stopped to tell son what was happening, would be too late. All of these things, If they didn't bring up on the way to the hospital and they weren't waiting, it might be too late. So um, my heart had stopped at that time and, uh, and they it, it stopped for 45 minutes. So I was dead for 45 minutes. And uh, hearing about it later, I was talking to one of the nurses who was working on the emergency with the doctor and, and she was telling me that normally they Call um, it after 20 or 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. and um, But she said the doctor looked down at me and said, He's too young, you've got to keep going. So, I mean, I, there's no words to describe how thankful I <laughs> am for that. Um, but it, it was a, um, a, as I said, just out of the blue, um, uh, I, was, I was dead for 45 minutes, I had my heart going again. And then apparently they said I only had a 5% chance of, of surviving um, even after they got me. So they put me into an induced coma for three days. And um, then I was in intensive care for four and a half weeks or something and up in the ward for another couple of weeks. And then it was the start of a, a long road to recovery. But the, as I said, I, I do remember everything about it. And I do remember um, when I died as well. It was... Uh, a uh, very strange experience. I just felt, uh, I saw all white, all around me. I could feel myself there, and I wasn't, I wasn't sitting, I wasn't laying down, um, I wasn't floating, I could just feel myself there in all of this white. And it wasn't a, like a white room with four white walls or a bright light uh, shining on me, just all white all around. I wasn't scared. I wasn't angry, I wasn't um, sad, happy, I had absolutely no feeling at all. And to sort of explain that, because we, you know, through our lives we, we had so many feelings, so many emotions, and to all of a sudden be in this space with absolutely no feeling at all was, was as you can imagine, very strange. And I didn't even think that it was strange have that feeling. I was just there, and and I wasn't thinking either. Like I wasn't thinking, what is this place? What's going to happen next? Is a big gate going to open in front of me? Or I had no idea. I was, as I said, I was just there in that space. So it, it was a very, um, as you can imagine, strange experience. Uh, and and. So in that way, well, it must be about forty-five minutes, because uh, when they got my heart going again, they put me into a, a, a coma. Now, one of the things I remember, well, I, I remember all of it, but the most powerful thing I remember about being in the coma was when I opened my eyes. I was laying in a hospital bed in a room, but it wasn't bright. Like this, and it was really weird because when I was getting these, I, I had a lot of hallucinations when I was in the coma, and this was one of the things that I, I'd seen. And all of these hallucinations was in a darkened hospital room. But look, and someone took a couple of photos when I was in the coma, and like the room I was in was bright, brighter than this, uh, intensive care. So, but when I first opened my eyes, and I looked to my left, and there was an Aboriginal man standing there, painted up. And to my... that's my right, sorry. <laughs> to my left, there were two Aboriginal ladies sitting on the ground, painting. And when a nurse or a doctor would come into the room to give me medication, or change the drip or needle, or whatever, they had to go through this Aboriginal man first and they'd have to show me what they had, say something, but I didn't know what they said, and then they'd come over and give it to me. So, but I didn't think too much of that at the time, but I found out later that um, my mum had come over from New South as soon as she found out, and she came over when I was still in the coma, and, um, and apparently her and one of my cousins, Shirley, stood on the other side of my bed and, and talked in language, Aboriginal language. They were just, um, Marie was a good friend of ours, was there uh, um, during one of those times, and she said they just non-stop spoke Aboriginal language. So I believe when that was happening, that's when I was in the room with, uh, with that gentleman and, and the two ladies doing the painting. So it, it, it's, you know, thinking about it now, it, it sort of ties in. Um, thinking that that's probably the time when, when that was happening. Um, but then I had all these other hallucinations which uh, I'm almost too scared to talk about because they sound so unreal that <laughs> you know, people think, oh yeah, sure, you it might not know, yeah, happen. But um, I, I was talking to the nurse later on up in the ward and, she, and I was telling her about the hallucinations and she said, she wasn't surprised, because when you're in a COVID, the, the strength of the drugs that they have uh, you on are so strong that yeah, I mean, it causes hallucination. So, um, I'm just glad I don't try any of those drugs when i um, But uh, yeah, it was very strange. There, there was a number of, uh, I'll just say one of the more stranger ones, uh, just to give you an idea. Um, a, a doctor came in and uh, they looked at me, and or oh, two of them, sorry, and then they walked out on the other side of the curtain. And I overheard the doctor saying, you need to take a chunk of meat out of his leg. And, but we need his permission first. So from that moment, there was, a, uh, it was almost like a robot sitting on the end of my bed. And when the nurses or staff tried to come and get me to sign the paper, uh, this, this robot would shrink them so I wouldn't see them coming. <laughs> and it was so beautiful because I was no, like, no, no, if I saw you, they'd be like, oh, but every time I saw them. But yeah, it was like, they were shrinking people down to, to try and get me to this piece of paper, to take a chunk out of my leg. But that's an idea of like, sort of, um, yeah, that the hallucinations that you get. So when I was um, in that whiteness, I think it made me think, um, you know, I'm on my recovery road, it made me think, uh, is that the same for all people? Because I have, uh, I saw something on YouTube uh, about a gentleman who passed away for 20 minutes, he was there for 20 minutes, and he said he had an out-of-body experience, that he came out of his body and he could see, um, see the working on, him, on on the bed, uh, giving him CPR, and, so, ever since my heart take, when well, I hear stories like that now, I'm like, well, this is he really telling the truth, because I've been there, and that, nothing like that happened to me, and, um, and I think there's stories around you know, people who said they've actually met God, seen God, and after they've died. Um, so, yeah, it sort, of, sort of made me think that um, you know, I'd, I'd like to believe them, but I find it really hard to believe them now because I have been through that, and you know, for 45 minutes, it's a, it's a pretty long time to uh, to be um, what they call downtime. Uh, so yeah, it, it really made me think, um, but it, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. It, it uh, changed how I saw my friends, um, like Mark and Renee, who, who um, you know, they, they just did without them I wouldn't be here today. And that's, you know, absolutely um, a certainty. And even the doctor as well, uh, Dr Seeds, you know, without him um, sort of continuing on me, uh, uh, again, I wouldn't be here today. So, um, you know, I was up in the ward there and um, and the doctors do the rounds every morning. There's different doctors every morning. And one morning Dr Seeds was doing the rounds up to me and said, I oh, oh, guess he's doing the rounds this morning, not the leads. For the, uh, I think the story got around the whole hospital that uh, what had happened. And I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was going to say to him. So I didn't. And I see him coming like a couple of beds away. And I was sitting in a, in a chair beside my bed at the time. And, uh, and he came and stood in front of me. And, and I just looked at him. and... and my, ears, like, you have to get up, you know? I said, "You know what you have done for me, and at least I can do stand up." You know for you It's like, um, so yeah, it was a pretty emotional uh, at the time, but uh, it's only. Me, it, 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 I mean, I've always been a, a caring, uh, generous, thoughtful person, but since the heart attack, um, you know, the way I see people, uh, you know, I think that's that's tenfold now. You know, I, I just sort of grasp every moment that I can with my friends, with my family, and um, but that got made even harder uh, last year because my mother passed away last year, and um, yeah, that, that was uh, sort of seeing it from that side as well, you know, and, and especially mum lived over in Albury, New South Wales, and uh, so as soon as she found out I had the heart attack, she was came straight over and she was by my side um, in the ward there and in intensive care every day. So for her, she, um, she got uh, a cancerous tumour and, uh, and it spread. And uh, You know, it, it was hard to think that, like with me, it happened all of a sudden. But then to go through this with mum last year, when knew she had the cancer. They were doing the treatment, it had spread, so they stopped the treatment and they gave her two weeks. And then once I heard that, that she had two weeks, then you can imagine just, yes, and, and I'm sure um, some of you have been through that experience as well. It, it's, you know, you know that they're um, going to die and you think, what do I say? You know, what, what do I, how do I act with them now? I, I've come back from, from Albrecht back to Adelaide. And I was calling her every night. And, uh, yeah, I I just, I just, you know, without knowing what to say, I just wanted to hear her voice because I knew I wasn't gonna hear her her voice again after a couple of weeks. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that we were prepared for it and we knew it was gonna happen, but it still, you know, the night that she did pass, I, I spoke to her an hour before, and uh, and uh, the carer who was looking after her called me about an hour later and said she had a stroke and, uh, and passed away uh, after the stroke. So, and then it just, dang, it hit me. I thought I was going to have another heart attack actually. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's something that we prepared for, but you still can't really prepare um, to, to face that. Um, it was even worse last year, uh, right at the beginning of COVID. This was in March, April. And uh, so at the funeral, we could only have 10 people. Uh, we couldn't, I couldn't carry a coffin to the grave. We couldn't have pallbearers, So it was even extra hard uh, last year to deal with it. Not only we had to deal with her with death, but um, to, to go through all of that because of COVID. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I you know, as I've said, I said, I do have a different uh, look on life now, um, and I've got to mention last night uh, after hearing Liam's story. Um, you know, it shows us that we we, we just not know. You know, we, we don't know what's gonna happen. That day at the footy it was like any The other day, nothing. You know, um, it it just happened that my one of my arteries ran my heart. Was uh, 100% blocked and uh, I know, you know, I know this my I was probably years of loving salt too much, but uh, that, that was the one thing that said to me when I left the hospital was cut down on the salt. So I'm guessing that was the cause of it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have cut down on salt now. But uh, yeah, you just never know. You know, it might be through uh, uh you know cancer, heart disease. Even just an accident walking out onto the road, you know, and we just don't know. Sure. we just need to take every moment um, that, that we have, and, and even with the, the friends and family that we share those moments with, you know, we need to embrace that and uh, and, and and make the most of it because we, we just don't know. Um, so like, I think we can add a, uh question to and A a little bit after. So. If anyone has any questions, uh, I'll be happy to share a bit more with you. Um, a story like that, there's so much to, it. So to try and break it down into 10, 15 minutes is, is a bit hard. But, um, yeah, if, there's, if, if you have any questions, uh, I'll be happy to answer them a bit later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.